Welcome everyone to Microservices for Everyone Part 4 podcast, where we help you re-energize your business strategies. I will be your guest host today, and this is part four of a multi-part series on all things related to microservices. My guest today is Eve Kulidiati, CIO of SlideX, a powerful way of implementing and managing a ticketless, multifaceted parking system. He's here to share with us why microservices matter to your technology development systems. Eve, how are you today? Hello, Tom. I'm doing great. Nice to be on the show. Great to have you. Eve, can you give us a brief description of SlideX and its goals and what problems it solves? So SlideX is a platform that makes all type of services available to clients. In other words, it kind of connects service providers and clients in real time. So today, if you look around, a lot of applications offering services are really focused on either one or two services at a time. So therefore, you know, you have all users usually have to have all these multiple apps that they need to have on their phone to be able to use services. So imagine having an app where you can book a flight, book parking at the airport, book a car wash, check in your flight, book a seater for your dog, and shop at the airport and other services. This is our ultimate vision at Sladex. Well, however, this is not an easy task to achieve because it requires careful design and architecture as each service is a process on its own. So the best way to achieve um, such an endeavor is to divide and conquer. So in other words, uh, we need to isolate each service as a small independent service that can be deployed and tested without affecting other services. And that's exactly what microservices do. They are small, modular, and independently deployable services. And this is the reason why at Sladex, we are migrating uh, from uh, our monolithic architecture to a more robust microservices architecture. Oh, that's nice. Eve, um, you have a healthy, solid monolithic software solution. So why do you think it's important? to migrate to a microservices architecture? Well, great question, Tom. Um, I would start with uh, when is the best time to migrate from a monolithic solution to a microservices architecture? Well, it is always best to migrate when you already have a healthy, workable, and stable monolith because it makes it easier to deconstruct uh, the monolith to different domain and microservices. Also, with a monolith, you already have a business logic, a data layer, and controllers that you know are already working. So with a working monolith, you already know how your system works and what is needed to make it work. So the migration to microservices is really like reorganizing your components in your monolith to independent services by following design patterns related to microservices architecture. That's really that simple. So... Uh, but you shouldn't let your monolith actually grow to the point where it is difficult to navigate code, debug, or make different updates. So it, it, imagine this as a developer working on an enterprise monolith where you are at risk of breaking your system every time you make a minor update. This is bad practice and, and really stressful for everyone. So in other words, you're really working, working on eggshells. So when you reach such a level of risk with a monolith, 
It means that someone at some point in the life cycle of that monolith application should have proposed migrating to microservices. So that's how important microservices are. So instead of building on top of a monolith to the point where no one really knows what, what is where uh, and, 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 and how tightly coupled the entities are, the monolith could be deconstructed to microservices to create more scalable systems. That's a great insight on your part. Do you think microservices will be a good move for most startups? Well, uh, something I would say is that, and again, if when you are a startup company, it's always probably best to start with a monolith. And uh, as long as it's not, it's not a complicated monolith. And, and when you are a startup, you always have a vision on where you think you would like to go. But it usually takes a different path or different direction. So you could end up doing something completely different from what you originally planned. Look at Amazon starting selling books and ended up where it is today as the greatest e-commerce site in the world. So the reason why I'm saying these things is because it is important to always have a solid foundation. In other words, I'd rather be wrong migrating to microservices than being right, keeping a monolith that will grow and become a nightmare. So imagine a building, building a single floor house, right? With a foundation that can hold multiple floors. So originally, you didn't want two floors. You just wanted one floor, but you build the foundation to be able to hold multiple floors. And you can add a floor every time you need to as the number of tenants increase in the house. Now, the nightmare, if the foundation of the house could not hold a second floor, is very is really something. Because as the number of tenants increases in the house, you have two choices. You either overpopulate your house to a certain extent <laughs> or destroy the house and rebuild it, if you see what I mean. Oh, yeah. I think i um, been there, done that. Eves, uh, can you describe in more detail how you see microservices methodology and architecture as beneficial to your business goals? Hmm. Absolutely. So what I really see as beneficial with microservices, Tom, um, is that they, they are easy to deploy, meaning that they can be deployed in pieces without affecting other services. And that's a really great feature. So they are also simpler to understand. So you can follow the code easier because the functions are isolated and less independent or dependent. I'm sorry. Most importantly, you can be, they can be tested independently, reused across business, uh, minimize the risk of change or updates, and guarantee scalability. What can you ask for? More. We are back with Eve to discuss the way his team can benefit from a microservices implementation. Eve, will the business owners and managers benefit? Absolutely. Um, so since micro, with microservices, everything in is dissected in domains or bounded contexts, it really helps structure teams, especially developer teams. Um, so each microservice should be uh, assigned to a small team of developers. And the small team, the smaller the team is, the easier they collaborate and get things done. So the, the interesting thing about this, Tom, is that with, with microservices, when it is implemented, 
you can also affect the, 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 the complete organizational chart in companies, which usually abide to the vertical leadership model. So, you know, vertical uh, leadership model, you know, you always have this uh, manager to uh, manager to subordinate relationships, which really doesn't work when it comes to microservices because micro, you know, microservice services environment, you're looking at smaller teams, collaboration, and less ego in a team. And that's where the horizontal leadership model actually comes in, which actually puts kind of everyone in the team on the same level because they have they have to collaborate and get things done. So uh, at some point, I, I can say that uh, microservices definitely uh, can uh, affect the way uh, companies you know manage the teams and and also benefit as well. Wow. Okay, that's powerful. How specifically would future investors? see the benefit? Well, if I want to invest in a company, right, and uh, I, I want to know that a company in the future can easily grow and can easily scale. So investors will see stability, reliability, good planning, and scalability when they know that, you know, you, you are using a microservice uh, microservices architecture. And guess what? Those are strong requirements for a company to grow and succeed. And investors know that. Okay, that makes perfect sense to me. Okay, we talked a little bit before about developers. Can you elaborate a little bit more how software developers benefit? Oh, well, that's even better. Um, so developers in a microservices environment, uh, because microservices require a, a, a small and modular uh, independent you know, uh, services, it means that the code is going to be clean and easy to understand, which is great when, especially when you're a new developer that comes on the team, uh, the code is very clean for you to understand, which is a great plus. They will be also able to deploy and touch its microservices without affecting other, serv other services. So normal working on eggshells anytime an update is rolled out. So meaning that, you know, when the service, when one service goes down, you don't have to worry about other services going down. And most of all, developers will be working in a less stressful environment and more and more collaborative environment as well. Everybody wins. Yep. Eve, how are you going to approach the migration to microservices? What will be the process that you will employ? Well, first, uh, you know, recognizing the natural domains of our business uh, process and the problems we need to solve in software is a very important step. And, uh, and otherwise uh, known as business logic or better yet, domain-driven de design. Identify the boundaries or context of the business problems. Yes. Uh, when it comes to domain-driven design, we can refer to three things, okay? Uh, strategic design, tactical design, and factories and repositories. So understanding your domain is paramount to implementing microservices, but also agreeing on a common language, which is used by all team members to connect all activities of team around domain models, because it will be expressed in shared models, which act as a core logic on um, describe selected aspect of the domain. Can you give us examples of your business domains? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let let I, I give you three uh, three uh, business domains here: parking, booking, and car wash. So the booking service is totally independent and handles booking of all services. So if you book a parking spot, the booking service is going to handle that. If you book a car wash service, the booking service is still going to handle that booking. So, and this service is not aware of what other services are actually doing internally. Uh, it has its own infrastructure, business logic, and data layer. So it operates on its own. So the booking service can actually, uh, by the way, can communicate with other services like parking and car wash uh, services through events, using events brokers like RabbitMQ or Azure Bus Queues. And a good example will be uh, every time a parking booking occurs, let's say the booking service is going to publish an event called name new parking booked. And this event uh, is going to be published to all other services that have subscribed to this event name so they can, you know, operate and perform different actions or functions. The same concept works with all other services. Oh, that's very, very clear. And it's, that's an extremely powerful uh, architectural idea there, the decoupling right. events and messages um, and the, the actual microservices are basically just listening for a request on an open channel. Um, so once these contacts are identified, then where do we go? Well, some of these problems domain are more complex than others and, um, and require more planning, detail and coding. Uh, that makes sense. So these are the areas that usually make an application messy and difficult to maintain. Oh, yeah. Being there, Dom. <laughs> if you get the context and domain wrong, you literally will be creating your whole nightmare. And, and, and that takes us back to why it is important to migrate from a healthy monolith, which will help in planning and creating the right domain. Because you cannot get your domain wrong when it comes to microservices. Oh, same here. Um, but I always rectified it with some good patterns in software design. At the, at oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, microservices and, uh, and domain-driven design are all about design patterns. Um, you cannot succeed in microservices architecture without using the right design pattern, like API gateway, for example, uh, decomposition patterns, like decomposed by business capability messaging patterns, uh, so exception patterns. So all these different patterns needs to be applied to microservices if you wanna really succeed in building such architecture. And choosing the wrong design pattern will make the entire architecture unstable and perform badly. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, what basic patterns do you think will help keep the architecture clean, maintain well, and expandable? Well, the first one that comes to mind is uh, decoupling the messages, you know, sent between components, as I mentioned earlier, into an event broker or message queue. So then we can track the activity flow from our application instead of it being buried in our code uh, somewhere and nobody remembers where it is. Oh, yeah, that's my um, soapbox when we're working on apps. The best apps are those that self-document just by their design. And with an event broker, you essentially have a real-time documentation of actually the history of what happened um, 
what is happening, and possibly what will happen. Uh, okay, what other patterns do you see that reduce complexity in business logic uh, rules? Well, I mean, introducing an API gateway or a facade or, or proxy pattern. So um, it is also known as the back end for front end. And the problem that it's actually this pattern actually resolve is how the clients of a microservices-based application access the individual services. And, and, and clients, uh, clients of a microservices will be like mobile app, web app, third-party apps. So those are all clients. So imagine having a client mobile app, web app, or third-party. So all these clients will send their request to a single entry point, which is the API gateway that is going to route each request to the appropriate microservice. And it can also handle other requests by fanning out to multiple services. Ah, yes. Uh, there's many open source and well-supported gateways out there. Oh, yes. And we, we plan to implement maybe more than one. What value does the API give you in your use cases? Oh, many, many, many. Um, it's positioned, as you mentioned before, perfectly to perform. Uh, like clear routing to respective domain and backends, front ends. You have load balancing, you know, authorization, authentication, and you also have request caching and things like rate limiting. You get your money's worth from that, I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Any other patterns to consider? Um, in the domains uh, with the more complex business logic, we will distribute the logic loads, so to speak, uh, in, in what are called aggregates. So since in microservices, architecture, we split large monolith application into small independent services. We need to collaborate the data returned by each service. So this is where aggregates come in. And in an aggregator pattern, uh, the aggregator is like a service that collects responses from services through aggregates and return the responses back to the initiating request. So an aggregate is really uh, uh, like a, a collection of objects that are loosely coupled. Aggregates are creating real world objects that reflect our, our business problem. That's correct. And, and, and very important to get right from the beginning and all the naming conventions, uh, uh, like you mentioned in a prior podcast. So once uh, a, ubiqu a ubiquitous language is defined within a domain, it should be used across all teams, not just developers or analysts, but across all teams in the company. So in this way, you, it clears communication ambiguities and, and especially keeps software developers from using their own naming convention. As you know, Tom, it can be a nightmare, which will <laughs> completely create chaos in terms of having clean code and understandable code. Oh, yeah, I can definitely relate. Well, Eve, uh, we've covered some great basic concepts that are very, very critical to good services, to good microservices design. I can't um, thank you more. Anytime, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and got value from it. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And if you're feeling generous, head over to Apple and leave us a rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. Until then, have a good day.